0: come to what is uh, the, uh, the climax of Holy Week. We began by considering that prophetic and historic event last week, looking at Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus entered into Jerusalem, as people cried out, Hosanna in the highest, prophesied by the prophet Zechariah 530 years prior to this event the day that the king would enter into Jerusalem, we saw the crowds cheering his name, waving palm branches and willing to to lay down their lives if Jesus would just establish himself as king on the earth to free them from Roman oppression. They were chanting, for what they hoped would be a king right there and right then. They cried out, Hosanna, which means save now. But they were so misguided. They were so short-sighted. They sought freedom from Roman oppression. But Jesus came to bring freedom from sin. To reconcile man back to God. His mission was far greater than what would be been experienced on this earth at this time. They didn't realize their king, their Messiah, had arrived. Were you there? I mean, that's been the theme that we've been kind of carrying, weaving into the, um, our messaging this last week. Were you there? I don't mean were you here or there in the streets of Jerusalem. I mean, have you found yourself at one time or another like the people who cheered his name, wanting Jesus to do what they wanted Jesus to do when Jesus wanted them to do it? Have you found yourself there sometimes, hoping that God would meet your immediate need only to realize that there's a bigger plan, a bigger picture that God is working on? As Jesus entered the streets of Jerusalem, the scriptures record that he began to weep because they didn't realize who was in their midst. They wanted freedom from the oppression of the Roman leadership, not realizing that this King, this Messiah, is the one who would bring freedom for all of mankind, for all of eternity. Perhaps Palm Sunday is one of the most ironic days in all of history because we learn that this very same crowd that was crying out Hosanna on Sunday was the same crowd who cried out, crucify him on Friday, what we know as, as Good Friday, the day that Christ was crucified on Calvary. We took a powerful moment of pause this Friday night and, and considered that moment in history when Christ willingly became the sacrifice for our sins by going to the cross in such a way that it is, was as if you or I were being represented by him. Taking upon himself the guilt and the shame that was ascribed to us, Christ bore on himself. Were you there? I, I don't mean were you here Friday night, but have you related with the death of Christ on the cross in such a way that it is, was as if you were being condemned for your sin on the cross? Because that's the message of Good Friday, The message of Good Friday isn't just that Jesus died, but that Jesus died in our place. You see, the punishment that Christ received, the pain that he endured, the separation that he experienced was not only done for you, but was done instead of you. You see, if we want to appreciate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if we want to appreciate Easter in its fullness, we must consider it through the lens of Good Friday, understanding the purpose for which Christ came. And he didn't just die for us, but he died instead of us on the cross. The Apostle Paul could not have been any clearer in his letter to the church at Galatia As he said, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been so identified with the death of Christ on the cross that it's as if he died in my place. The theological term is substitutionary atonement. Christ atoning or paying the price for our sins on our behalf. That's why Christ went to the cross because the wages of sin is death. And so Christ came. Peter writes, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross, that he might die to sin and live to righteousness. And Peter says, and by his wounds, you and I are healed. The benefits of the cross we become recipients of because Christ went there in our place. 750 years prior to that event, Isaiah pens these words for us. Surely he has borne our griefs. Speaking of the suffering servant who would be on that cross in our place, Isaiah says, surely he has borne our griefs, and he's carried, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But Isaiah says, but he was pierced, why? For our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us Peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep, Isaiah writes, have gone astray. I don't know about you, but that's been my story. We have turned away, every one of us, to our own way. But the Lord laid on him, on Christ, the iniquity of us all. You see, we need to understand that, that, that if we want to appreciate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we must understand why Christ went to the cross. Paul says it this way when writing to the church at Rome. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. You see, sometimes we, we think that the reason Christ died was just to show us how much he loves us. And, I th- and on a very surface level, that sh- certainly demonstrates God's love for us. But we need to recognize that there was a far greater purpose. There's a far bigger plan that was taking place when Christ went to the cross, not just for us, but instead of us. Because when we recognize that he went there instead of us, we are recognizing that we are guilty. But we couldn't pay the price for our own sins. And apart from the work of Christ on the cross, man is created with the destination of total separation from God forever. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And Christ put in motion for us the ability to be reconciled back to God. Were you there? Have you embraced his death on the cross as the only means of atoning for your sins? Sometimes in church we keep it way too surface level. We think, well, just if I go to church, I'm good to go. If I read the Bible, I'm good to go. We trust our good works. We trust our efforts. We trust what we know. We trust all the things. We don't realize that, listen, you can come to this church 24-7, 365, and still not go to heaven. Christ didn't come so that you'd become a member of Integrity Church. Christ came so you'd become a part of his family. And the only way that that can happen is by embracing the Son by embracing Jesus and the work that he has done for us on the cross. And you see, to the degree that we understand that is the degree that we can really appreciate this day that we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Because it didn't stop at the cross. It began at the cross. You see, the good news gets really, really good when we understand that Jesus took our place by going to the cross for us. You see, it's only when we embrace the purpose of Christ going to the cross that we can fully understand the purpose and the power of the resurrection that we celebrate today. Let's read the rest of what Paul writes to the church at Rome. He says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death on the cross? We were were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. And so he's basically highlighting the fact that we have died in Christ when we embrace what he's done for us as our only means of salvation. But look what he says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into Christ in order that, in other words, that's not the end of the story, that took place for something else to happen. We see a bridge right here. He says that 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 took place in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. I love that. Yes, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but notice what Paul is saying here. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so too we too can walk in newness of life. Not only do we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but we celebrate the resurrection of our this position and our deadness in Christ to new life in God. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Look what says in verse five. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, what kind of death? The death on the cross. We couldn't go there, but he went there for us, right? If we have been united with him in a, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. I don't know about you, but that just screams identification. We have been identified with Christ. My life is hidden in him. And when he went to the cross, it's like I went to the cross. And when he rose from the dead, I rose from the dead. You and I will not taste death because Christ defeated death for us on the cross, that's why Resurrection Sunday is so powerful. He says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Look at verse eight. Now, we, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died of sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Christ will never die again. And the life that he lives, he lives to God. And let's go back again to where it says there in in verse 5. If we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Not only do we celebrate his resurrection, but we celebrate the newness of life that we are recipients of because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The message of Easter is a message of hope. The message of Easter is a message of life. Jesus said the enemy, he comes to kill and steal and destroy. And we see that. We see that in the world everywhere we look. We see people who are on the receiving end of the, of the deception and the attacks of, and, and the consequences of sin in the world today. And Jesus said, the enemy, he comes to kill and steal and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Christ came so that we can live the life that God designed for us to live, walking in wholeness and peace with him. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We are recipients of the power of that resurrection because of Christ defeating death. And the disciples had no idea all that was going on. I mean, they just, they were so caught up and blown away by the events that took place on Good Friday. It wasn't until after it all that they started to realize and understand as the Holy Spirit opened their eyes to the events that took place. They had seen this one who they loved, this one who they walked with, endure the most brutal torture. This one who was the epitome of love This one who was gentle, yet strong, full of truth and grace. This one who had a heart for people. This one who did no vile thing, but demonstrated a heart of love and compassion and mercy and forgiveness. They walked close with this one, and they saw him arrested. They saw him beaten. They saw him crucified. They heard him cry out on that cross. They watched him die. They saw him placed in a borrowed tomb. They saw that large stone rolled over the entrance of the tomb. They saw the elite Roman soldiers guarding that tomb with their very lives. All of that taking place on a Friday. As Christ died and the earth became dark and the veil in the temple was torn, chaos was all over the earth. And they're blown away by seeing their Savior. Dead on a cross. I'm sure they woke up Saturday morning saying, thinking, did it really happen? What? What did we see? And they waited all day, Friday night, all day, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. But Sunday was coming. It wasn't over. God's plan was not thwarted. His plan was not on delay. On Sunday morning, some of his disciples went to the tomb. We read about it in Mark's gospel. All of the gospel accounts record this event. Mark chapter 16 says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome brought spices so they might go and anoint him. And very early on, the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? You see, they had no idea that the body was not going to be there. They went with every intention of anointing the body. But the stone was rolled away. Why was the stone rolled away? The stone wasn't rolled away so Jesus can get out. The stone was rolled away so that they could walk in and see that he was not there. And so we see that's exactly what happens. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. And it was very large. Historians tell us that that stone was no less than 2,000 pounds. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. I'm sure they were. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified, but he is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. And their minds are blown as the body of Jesus is no longer there. And the gospel accounts reveal that they return back to the disciples and they cry out, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. But the resurrection of Jesus has far more significance than just the reuniting of Jesus with his friends. That moment must have been incredible for his disciples, for his mother, for his friends that were so close to see him again. But this was not just about the reuniting of Jesus with his family and friends. It had far more significance than that. Paul writes to the church at Corinth in chapter 15. He says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that Jesus, that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, that he appeared to Cephas, then he appeared to the 12, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom were still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Paul is laying the framework for the fact that his resurrection was not some secret that just a select few people knew about, but Jesus' resurrection was very public. People had seen him. When it talks about 500 men, there was never just 500 men that was absent from women and other children. There was always a far more amount of people in the room. This historical account of people seeing Jesus after his death is a matter of historical, undeniable, and undebatable record. This was affirmed by historians who were both followers of Jesus as well as adversaries of Jesus. You see, if you can disprove the resurrection, then all of Christianity folds like a cheap suit. But you can't disprove the resurrection. People have set their lives to try and disprove the resurrection. But the reality is he is risen. He is risen indeed. Paul continues to write to the church at Corinth. He says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is is futile. He's addressing a people who are starting to doubt whether the resurrection really took place. He says in verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most pitiful. He says, man, if it just stops right here on this earth, we are pathetic. Christ resurrection goes far beyond the arena that we know of as time, but extends to all eternity. But in fact, he says Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. What is he saying? He's saying when the man that he's referring to, the first one, is Adam. Adam. He's saying that in the same way that Adam's disobedience in the garden brought death to all mankind, likewise one man's obedience on the cross brought life to all. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. The reality of the resurrection, while Christ Being the one that we celebrate today, and rightly so, he was the first fruits of the many who will experience the resurrection from death to life. The resurrection was so much more than the reunion of Jesus and his disciples. The resurrection of Jesus Christ secured the fullness of salvation for all who would embrace him. Were you there? Were you there on the journey to the cross in the likeness of his death the nails that you see in the cross there they were part of what we did friday night as people nailed a nail that into the cross that 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 represented themselves represented their awareness that i belong on that cross were you there were you there on a journey from the tomb in the likeness of his resurrection. Because if we've been in the likeness of his death, surely we will experience the likeness of his resurrection. All of Christianity rises and falls on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the benchmark of our faith. It is the cornerstone of our confession and it is the greatest comeback story of all time. He that was dead is alive again. And because of that, because of that, we've got forgiveness for our past. His sacrifice was offered and accepted on our behalf behalf so that if we'll confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can have the slate clean. Why? Because Christ went to the cross and took punishment for you and I, and now we no longer need to walk in guilt and shame because of the things in the past, but we can be forgiven because of what Christ did for us on the cross. It provides forgiveness for our past. It provides peace for our future. You know, the one who loves you the most is the one who will always walk with you and never leave you. you. Nothing will ever happen to you apart from God's nurturing care and love for you. We can go into our day knowing that the one who's the most powerful and the most sovereign over all things loves us. We have peace in our present And then also, we have hope for our future. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful it doesn't end right here on this earth. the, The older I get, it seems time goes, seems to go faster and faster and faster. And I'm so thankful that this isn't it for us. I'm looking for a place called heaven. Right? A, a city that is going to be where God is going to rule and reign. A place where there's not going to be the consequences or the presence of sin and the limitations of sin. And I will be able to enjoy God in the way I was designed to enjoy him forever and ever and ever. The resurrection of Jesus Christ ensures the fact that I'm not going to be limited to what I experience here on this earth. But I could have life and have it life. In Christ Jesus, my Lord, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the benchmark of our faith. And I give God thanks for it. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the work of Christ on the cross. Maybe you're here this morning and and you've never identified yourself as a sinner in need of a savior. Not a sinner in need of a church. Not a sinner in need of a system. A sinner in need of a savior. That's why Christ came. If there was any other way, Christ would have never had to come but he came because he was the only way. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. And if you're here this morning and you've never asked Christ to forgive you of your sin and to come into your life and be your Lord, today is the day of salvation. Don't end today without ensuring that you were there with him in his death so that you can enjoy being with him in the likeness of his resurrection. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. Happy Easter, church. May we go into our day looking at it through the lens of what Christ has done for us. Because when we recognize what he's done for us, Nothing can take our joy away. Amen.